We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 340. Sometimes, Scott, we set a time and we call each other. You, you call me usually. And, you know, three, four, maybe seven minutes later after we've discussed the notes, we press record. Tonight, about 45 minutes later, we are pressing record due to many, many different issues. It honestly feels like majority of the time that we do the show and you and I get on here and we're like, oh, we're going to record at so-and-so time. It never happens. We record at least 30 minutes afterwards because we bullshit for a very long time ahead. Yes, today was one of those days. Uh, there was no baseball today. So maybe we felt like we had to get it out and just talk more baseball while we weren't recording. But here we are. We've already done. If that's what you want to call. We've pretty much already done an hour show and didn't hit record. It's the loss. It's the lost footage. Yeah. Uh, if that's what you want to call what we talked talking baseball, then sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't want to talk that nerd shit, but it was it was something that we had to get out. I guess it was Dumb and Dumber trying to figure out uh, some luxury tax information because of some quotes uh, Brian Cashman had on WFAN. Uh, we will certainly get to all that. Yeah, because we did. Ex- we're going to expose. We're going to expose the uh, the genius. He's, but uh, he's, he's how are you does. otherwise? I'm good. How's your yeah. Wednesday going otherwise? My Wednesday's good. My Wednesday's good. 
We're uh, not used to this. No baseball on a Wednesday. That's weird. It is weird. It is weird. We've had some weird baseball this week. I mean, you, you get rained out for a night that you expect uh, to have the Subway Series, and then you have a doubleheader. And, you know, it's hard to watch those games sometimes. I know people have to work. You have, uh, you know, people that missed out the night before when they do a, when they have a rain delay 30 minutes before the game. You know, there's a lot of things happening here. And, and I think that, unfortunately, it was, it was to the, um, the detriment of Yankee fans and Mets fans, really, that they didn't watch as much baseball as they probably could have because of the Subway Series. Not only for them doing it during the weekday, but then the rain didn't, didn't help matters. The fact that they canceled it so late, then they had another uh, doubleheader the following day. It was just kind of a messy baseball week so far. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what they were thinking on Monday. I don't. Nothing changed, could, man. The, the whole the forecast was exactly the same. Anyone who had either you either had the premium weather app that Susan uses, or your just stupid iPhone with the app that comes with it, you knew it was going to rain all night, and they weren't going to play that baseball game. So I I always get angry. Sometimes the Yankees do the right thing by the fans, and they call the game early. Or do you remember that time earlier this season? They literally rescheduled the game around weather on the same day. Yeah, this is a very different scenario, though. When you have people coming in from all all areas of the tri-state, like people are coming in from a lot of local areas, and it doesn't, especially especially a seven o'clock game on on a on a Monday night. Like, there's gonna be traffic. It's gonna take a while to get into the stadium when you have that much local congestion, and it's just uh, I don't know. It was just poorly planned, I guess you could yeah. say, or or think- planned well on their end if that's what they were going for. Yesterday with the doubleheader on Tuesday, I went to the night game and I've been to some playoff games. I went to both last two wild card games. We were at the wild card game in 17. I went to um, a Yankee Red Sox playoff game last year, went to the Astros ALCS. It has never taken me longer to get inside the stadium than it did last night on a Tuesday in June against the Mets. I, I don't know if it I don't know if there was a ticket issue, scanning issue, maybe the system went down. If the system goes down for five minutes, that could totally screw everything up. I didn't hear that. We lined up, we left the dugout six forty, and the line at gate eight was all the way down the street, past gate four. And I'm like or excuse me, past gate six. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Past gate we're six. We're going pa- we're going past gates now. Gate six was just a complete cluster. You couldn't even see the damn sign for it. So I'm like, all right. I what know time, gate what time did you get on online? 640. Yeah. So t- 25 minutes before game time. Figured that would be enough time. We walked all the way around to gate two because no one goes to gate two. Who, there's no subway over there. Like that's just it's bizarro world over there. And the line was all the way to gate four. So we get in that line. It's just people cramming in together. Everyone's cutting the line. Yankees fans, Mets fans, they're all just converging at the same exact time. What I think probably happened, we missed the entire first inning. I had to watch James Paxton give up a home run through the friggin' wall of Yankee Stadium. Um, what I think happened is because you know a normal game, Yankees are playing, say, the Astros, or they're playing some other team. You get your certain percentage of visiting fans coming in from out of town, visiting New York City. They're going to go to Yankee Stadium. They're going to get there at 5 o'clock when the gates open, right? They're going to be inside the stadium. They want to see it. Yankees, Mets, everyone's local. We're going to go drink before, and we're going to go in 10 minutes before the game. That's what we do. Right. And everyone tried to do that at the exact same time. Plus the doubleheader earlier in the day. It was a a whole big thing. Yankee Stadium was not ready for this Yankees-Mets doubleheader because also Lobel's steak ran out of steak in like the fifth inning. 
Well, so, but that's the thing. Like, that's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm alluding to as well for Monday night. I think you, you saw ramifications of that, of that, um, that rain out too, because I have a feeling a lot of people that couldn't go Monday night still wanted to go to a, to one of the games and because they have to work for a living, couldn't go during the day. So they went at night. So I think you saw more local people, a lot of that aftermarket ticket sales probably got gobbled up for Tuesday night. And like you said, people are either drinking at the bars or they're coming from work and they're trying to get yeah. there. And so everybody's mad rushing in at the same exact time, and you have a bottleneck everywhere. So Well, it was definitely a sellout. It was a perfect storm. It wasn't a sellout until the bottom of the second inning when everyone finally got in the stadium. You mean capacity of the, yeah, uh, attendance-wise. Yeah, yeah so that's I mean, what I mean, yeah. And it's a Tuesday, so like you, uh, if you have the Astros coming in on a Tuesday, how many people are visiting New York to see the Astros on a Tuesday? Not that many. <clears throat> yeah. I, I get you. I don't know. It was. Uh, I was shocked when I saw how long the gate, uh, the line for Gate Two was. That was the first time I've ever even used Gate Two. I've never thought about going to Gate Two until last night. Yeah, I ha- I've I've only been over there by accident. <laughs> it's like you you get lost. And, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It was that kind of day, right? Sloppy first game on the both sides. Really, Yankees prevailed. They scored a bunch of runs off of Wheeler. Nine runs off of Wheeler is the most he's given up all season. But only five of them were earned. Yankees took advantage of a couple of mistakes. And then in the night game, I went back and looked at the highlights because I was standing outside the stadium, but Paxton just had absolutely nothing. Yeah. No, he looks bad. I mean, that's this is this is now what the third outing that we've seen him back from the DL. And he's just he doesn't look good. He doesn't he's not locating well. Um, and guys are are getting really good swings off of him. He's not the the swings and misses are not there for him right now. And unless he's, you know, we saw early when we saw good Paxton, he's all over the strike zone early in the count. And, and I, I, the, the cliche is so accurate. So I, I have to say it. He does. He controls the damn strike zone. That's how he's good. And when he's not doing that, when he's falling behind or, um, you know, they're, they're picking their spots and, and picking their pitches, then he's in trouble. And that's, that's what happened. Do you think it's a fair second guess that they maybe should have had him do a rehab start or two in the minors before bringing him back? work up a little bit because his first time out he was against the Padres it's the besties look but he only went four innings since his three starts 11 well, and out, the of, third out innings, of control I mean that was that was um, I, more I know Yankees, that but yeah. but he he doesn't look right he doesn't look fully he's not using his knee as an excuse his knee's probably bothering him but he's not using it using it as an excuse but when you get shut down for three to four weeks in the middle of May that's gonna mess with you I guess, but I mean, like you said, the the first outing was 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 you know relatively good. I know he didn't get depth, but he still got out there and and he had his uh, you know the stuff was good. So, the, I, but he's facing the Padres. They're not exactly a juggernaut offense. Ne- I mean, neither are the Mets. But you know, the thing is, is when you're looking at uh, a guy who's coming out there off off of an injury, you want you want you want that guy to feel good. You want that guy to to execute pitches to a point where he feels comfortable and has the confidence to do that. And seemingly after his first outing, that happened. So I don't know how the other two are explained because they came after that one. So, I mean, unless he just isn't, you know, healthy, then then I, that, then I could second guess it, I guess. But other than that, I, I have no reason to second guess it other than knowing the results already. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> I mean, like, that, that, would be, a- that would be the only way. And when I'm looking at the results, I'm like, yeah, this guy's not right. What's up? <laughs> We Monday morning Larry quarterback everything. Like, Larry, that is literally what we it's do. It's obviously Larry Rothschild's fault. <laughs> obviously. So why doesn't he fix it? It's the coaches. Why They're not doing their job. Yeah. Fire everyone. Fire the trainers. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think it's a fair second guess because I was surprised they didn't have him go back for a rehab start, honestly. At least one. And But but you're right. Maybe it doesn't matter because he went out and struck out. He struck out, what was it, like eight guys in four innings yeah. against the Padres. And then his next two starts out since then, he's been bad. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. When I first, saw, when I first heard that he was coming back, um, you and I, I think we had recorded and then they said he was coming back. To pitch, it was a it was yeah. a Sunday. They talked about that, and you and I were, sudden. Were, were thinking in our heads that it wasn't going to be as fast as it was. And then they said he's going to he's going to come back to the rock. So I, I was extremely surprised when they first said that he was going to come back and just pitch in the majors. So if I were to second guess it, it would have been after that one. Um, and and you know maybe fatigue's an issue. Maybe he's not ready for that. Maybe the maybe the the fact yes, that that's exactly deep, what I'm saying. But, but, build up. But, you got to build up that, that rebuild up that arm strength. I get it, but but at the same time. Oh, so you're saying like get two or three and uh, starts in the minor leagues, because that's not going to happen either. One or two, because they're not going to let him go out there in the majors and get his face beaten in by the Mets just to build up arm strength. But he can just go throw pitches and rebuild up his arm strength in Scranton against the friggin' Paw Sox. Or- he can do it in sim games too. I mean, like that—that's what he did as well. So, I mean, it, it, all. Everything that leads to him coming up to the major leagues, they were comfortable with his arm strength. They were comfortable with the injury. They were comfortable with where he was mentally. He talked about it. They talked about it. Everybody was in a good place saying, hey, I'm good. I can compete. My arm feels good. And and you look at every, all signs pointed towards, okay, I think we're ready. We're not going to throw him 100 pitches, but he looked good. The stuff was good. The, the, the short stint that he was out there, he looked good. So we should be progressing forward. The problem is, Though is that the rotation is is in shambles? I think that's that is that is a big problem, and probably Herman is now not the guy who is um, giving you six lights out innings every single time out. You they counted on that consistent force for the first two months of the season. Now that's gone. Tanaka, we're going to talk about Tanaka in a little bit, but he's been extremely inconsistent and. I think we found Tanaka's new thing. It's giving up four runs in an inning because that seems to happen all the time now. Sabathia has so been so inconsistent. Hit Hap is shocking. He's been the guy. Hap has been Mr. Mr. Steady Boring J. Hap. And I know Baltimore, you can't pitch against Baltimore. Everyone else, he's been exactly what you signed up for for J. Hap. I mean, but this was probably one of need, the big considerations, though, for Paxton coming back and not if he feels good and, and, and he can go. When they brought him back, the rotation was not in the dire straits it is right now. Just two weeks ago when he came back, the rotation looked a hell of a lot better than it does today. CC was still a very big question mark. Herman had what just started struggles at that point. I mean, we had he had like four starts that he maybe wasn't he had, great. maybe he had one cut. No, but it wasn't. No, he didn't have four. Oh, you're saying yes, he's had four starts, but maybe he yeah. had one of them at that point. So I mean, so it, at that point, you're thinking, okay, that's just a, a bump in the road for Herman. It's not a. But you're also looking at options if if Paxton. I mean, that was a point where. They were going to have to throw before, another opener. It was it was just before the before Boston the series. Boston series. Because we yeah, were saying that why, if he's going to pitch, why not pitch in the Boston series? So so they were going to have to th- figure something out for that day if he wasn't going to go then as well. So th- the, it was it was not a good situation at that point. Like I think that was part of the consideration. As long as he feels good, if he feels good, we can get James Paxton for four innings. You know, sixty pitches or whatever it was. That's better than having, you know, Chad Green go out for two innings. That's part I guess, of the, I guess part of the just, mindset, I guess. I guess you just saw that first start, and I, I was very encouraged. We both were. We didn't think he's going to start regressing from that first start. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that, that's what's happened his last two times out. And he had absolutely nothing. He couldn't get out of the third inning last night. They bring in um, Chance Adams, who threw, ended up throwing like 80-something pitches. He gave them length. That's really all he did. But I thought there was an opportunity in this game because Yankees got the, the lead down to three. They scored uh, three runs off of Vargas, and it's 6-3. to three, And I'm, th- I'm feeling very confident at that point. Uh, I'm with a couple Mets fans in addition to some Yankee fans, and we are giving it to the Mets fans at that point. Your bullpen's going to melt down. The Yankees have them where we want. Didn't go like that because Chance Adams came back out and shit the bed. Is that an opportunity? I know it's tough. It's only like the fourth inning to go to Adovino there to hold the game at three and give yourself a chance to win. Let me finish. Didn't pitch Monday. Didn't pitch in game one. Off day Wednesday. So here's the thing, like you're going to go to him, you're going to go to him for one inning, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Then, then what? Well, what if you score another run off of Vargas? Because, because if you keep it at six to three, your offense is still in the game. Chance Adams comes back out and it's eight to three. Yeah, but you're also, you're, you're making the assumption that Chad, uh, that Chance Adams is going to give up those runs where he's looked. He did give up those runs. But I saw before he actually did give up those runs. You're saying that he's, you're making the decision that, oh, Chance Adams doesn't give us a chance to hold them at bay at this point. So we have to go to Adovino. I don't think they thought that way. I think they, they, that Chance Adams has, has looked good since he's been uh, up the few times. He's earned that, that spot. And they did need length. Whether they went to Adovino in the, in the third, fourth inning, like, they still had to get a hell of a lot more innings after that. So using Adovino there, to me, you're not you're not stifling part of the lineup. You're just really getting you're eating innings at that point. And I don't. I agree. With I don't you. like it there. <laughs> I agree with you. It's it. It was, it was. I was second guessing it in the stadium at the time because I saw Chance Adams struggling. But yeah, I I, I don't. I think that would have been a really difficult decision for Boone. If we're talking about a, an ALDS game, maybe. Yes. But but a game in June, uh, no. But and, and that's so, where we are. Like this is where we are. Ch- Chance Adams was the. 26th man on that day he was not using the first game because he wasn't able to be used the first game he was using the second game because that's when the 26th man comes into play and they were going to use him I mean they he was an extra guy that they had up there and they knew they were able to get depth from him or length and, and that's what they were going for so they were going to use him yeah and in the first game it looked bad to start Tanaka so I broke down his starts he gave up four runs uh, in the third inning against the Mets Five of his 14 starts, he's allowed four-plus earned runs. And those five starts, he's had a blow-up inning in every one. And I've noticed there's, at least recently, the last three times out, something bad happens. Something goes wrong, whether it's an error on the field, the umpire screwing up, something. And then Tanaka just loses it for an inning. So let's work backwards. June 11th, yesterday against the Mets, four runs allowed in the third inning. That inning started with a DD error. June 4th in Toronto, four runs allowed in the fifth inning. That was the Angel Hernandez debacle when he missed those those strikes. May 28th against the Padres, four runs allowed in the first inning. That inning started leadoff batter DJ LeMahieu error. I don't believe that. (laughs) The time before, April 25th, he allowed four runs in Anaheim in the fifth inning. I couldn't find anything that went wrong. I went back and looked through the the play-by-play. Nothing disastrous happened. It wasn't a Chris Carter eyes, eyes wide shut moment, but he allowed two home runs in that fifth inning. And then against the White Sox on April 14th, he allowed that grand slam uh, in one inning. So there's been, at least recently, something goes wrong, and then the, the inning unravels entirely. 
Well, I think what's going wrong is the fact that he's not able to throw the the ball over the uh, plate consistently. I'm not so sure. I'm not. I'm certainly not sold on that. There's an external factor. I mean, we're talking about the the most recent one, a DD error that umpires missed strike calls. I mean, that shit happens all the time. A DJ LeMayu error. If you're getting mad about a DJ LeMayu error, we got bigger problems. We've seen him show emotion on the field. Do you remember that play with Clint Frazier when he dropped the ball? I mean, dude. Come on. Of course he's going to. Yeah. He's that, when you show ineptitude in a position and then it affects you directly, you're going to show emotion. He's been showing emotion, but not like to a point where he's showing people up. He's showing normal raw emotion in the moment. And then and then it stops. I think he has showed more emotion on the mound through two plus months of this season than he showed in his four seasons prior. And, and that's probably true because I think. Even the, you know, in the moment emotion, Tanaka's bottled that up in the past. And we haven't seen that. You know, he's another year here, another year comfortable. He knows he's got to be, he, he, but he also knows that he's got to be perfect, man. He knows he's got to be, in his mind, he's got to be the number one, the guy that, that comes in and steadies the ship because of what happened with Severino, because of, uh, you know, his tenure with the Yankees at this point. He knows, and in his head, he he knows he wants to be that guy, and he should be that guy. So I think he's very hard on himself in those, and that's why he's showing that emotion. I, I like that he's showing that emotion. I don't think it's correlated, but um, it, it's strange how the these these runs are coming in bunches like this. Yeah, five five starts, giving up, allowing four runs in a single inning. And I know the the game in Toronto, we talked at length about Angel Hernandez. Yes, he missed the strike zone. He's missed on the other side at, too. Yeah. But, but then you look at the pitches that Tanaka gave up the hits on, and they were terrible pitches, like spinning sliders in the middle of the plate, kind of bad pitches. So is that the umpire's fault that you threw a hanging slider? Yeah, no, or is it's, it your it's fault? mis-execution is what it is, and that's why he gets frustrated. And, and when you're looking at like the McNeil three-run home run, like you know, it comes in, a, in one swing, too. It's like when he misses, they execute. So, but, but the thing is, with Tanaka... His swing and miss percentages is at the top of the league. You know, it's it's top three in the league. So he's still getting those swings and misses. It's unfortunate when he's missing, the batters aren't missing. And it's been di- a different Tanaka. There's actually an article that went up on the site today talking about he hasn't been able to rely on his splitter as much. His splitter is getting hit more than ever. We've covered this in depth this season, but it's not the same Tanaka splitter we're seeing. He's actually doing it more with sliders and making it up i think he's literally making it up just changing the uh, velocity yeah just just you know pulling it back choking up on the ball is that a thing it is choking up on a ball absolutely that's what a changeup is okay i guess i i have heard that you don't hear that you don't hear that uh, you're usually choking up on a bat not choking up on a ball yeah i mean you know i've said it a lot choking up is on it a ball. choking down on a ball no, I mean, I've never said choking down on a ball in my life. I've never heard it said until right now. I've heard choke choke up, tighten the grip. I mean, you know, things like that. Yeah. Okay. You don't want to get it off your fingertips. So the uh, part of the reason the rotation has been in the situation it is that we just discussed is Herman is on the IL. I saw this narrative come out after Keuchel signed in Atlanta after we recorded last. Actually, Randy Miller from NJ.com basically wrote an article saying that the reason the Yankees passed on Dallas Keuchel was because Herman was hiding his injury from the team. Had they known he was hurt, they would have been more aggressive to sign Dallas Keuchel. I think that is the biggest load of dog shit in the world. Before I talk about this, I feel like you skirted something, and I think it's because you didn't want to talk about it personally. 
Um, you've been very, very critical of Kendris Morales, and you're not going to discuss the fact that he had a three-hit day and scored from second base looking like the Flash. I, I mean, I deserve all the credit for that because the, the day he had the three hits is the day after we put out that clip of me just completely ranting on him. Yeah, so I think I'm, I, he saw that. He must have seen that. Maybe he follows us on Instagram. Is there a possibility and, in the back of your head? So we know that Kendris Morales during his career has been a good hitter, right? He's, he's career-wise, yeah, good hitter. Good, of course. The guy has been... Um, Not he's, denying that. He's, he's been a good hitter in, in the past. And from what the nerds say... You know, there were underlying metrics that said that maybe he's been a little unlucky with the Oakland A's. Maybe, maybe there's been a, a little bit of a gap here, a little bit unlucky, not not looking so good. He's just been in a, in a slump. And now we're going to, you know, potentially see Morales mechanics getting back to where he thinks they can be and that he can be a, a positive for this team. Because obviously the, the team has kept him around. Do you believe that? I'm trying to. I'm trying to because I think three, it would be, he has would two three-hit games. He has two three-hit games for this team, and he only has, so that's six hits. Yeah, he has five hits, right? Five hits. Otherwise, he has eleven hits on the season for the Yankees. Five hits in all the other games combined. You really believe he's just getting unlucky? Oh no, no, no! I, I definitely think he's not just getting unlucky. I think there's. I mean, I, you, I don't really. I don't believe many nerds in the in the in the world anyway. So um, I, I think there's probably. Uh, an element of that, but that's that's baseball, Susan. It's it's a it's a game where you get lucky and unlucky. Um, I agree. I think they they definitely saw something in his metrics. I know his walk rate was up with Oakland, which so, means you're seeing uh, the ball well. Because who the hell yeah, is we, trying we to talked about walk Kendrick Morales? We talked about that. We talked all about that. And then when he hit his home run his first weekend, everyone was sucking off Cashman. No, did I, he I do mean, it again or did he do it again? I, I think it was more. Yeah, well, it's 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 questioning because because you assume it at this point, right? Like we're assuming that yeah. that he's going to find that diamond in the rough. So that's why so, in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking, eh, maybe 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 there is a little bit of life but, here. But it's been it's been like a month. Yeah, it's been a solid amount of time. I mean, guys can slump, you know. Stanton is almost back. So Stanton is playing rehab games in Tampa. He's hit two home runs in the last two days. His next step is going to go to Scranton. Mm -hmm. If all goes well there, he could be back by the London series. Oh, he'll, if he, Stanton is if, what? Oh, he will be. They're they're getting yeah. everybody back. So if Stanton's flying to London, do you think Kendris Morales is also flying to London? Probably not. No, definitely not. Yeah. No way is Kendris Morales still on this team if they're bringing Stanton back because. DH. It's, it's They'll good, use him it, at DH. It's going to be Stanton and Judge. They're both coming back for that London series. I really hope that they do not rush Judge back just for the London series. I don't series. think they're rushing Judge back. I think that they've held him back and made sure that he's okay. Maybe he's been okay longer than we've known, and, and they're actually just taking their time. I cannot figure out this Judge injury because he goes down with a serious oblique injury in late April. They're talking about late July, August. You remember those estimates on the conservative side? And they would never put a time frame on it. And the judge has those weird comments maybe two, three weeks ago talking about how it's probably never going to be 100% this season. So I can't figure this judge injury out. And then all of a sudden he's taking, he's doing dry swings. Oh, and now he might be back for London. Now we're how do you go from, how do you go from never going to be 100% to dry swings to Big Ben? Because you get so mad about all of these things that people talk about. They're all bullshit. I get mad? Yes, you get animated. I've about never gotten mad about anything in my goddamn life. <laughs> I, I've, I have, like this year now, I literally don't believe anything anybody says. No, I believe nothing. Nothing. 
nobody can tell me something that I'm going to believe that has to do with health or when someone's going to come back or how they're feeling or what their, you know, what their mood is on a given day. I believe nothing. I just need to see it with my own eyes. And until I see it, I just assume something's up until they're back. Oh, now they're healthy. That's it. Because it's all bullshit. Nobody knows anything. And if they do know something, they're not going to tell it to you. Or they're not going to tell you the full truth or the whole truth or nothing but the truth. None of that's coming out. So, so yeah. Do I think that he's probably been healthier than everybody's been saying? Yeah, I do. Do I think that he's like been working out and, and, and just ma- testing it? behind the scenes and, and just making sure that he's good after we had no pain for, you know, however long. Yeah, I think that's happening. And I definitely think they circled the London series for all of these guys and they're trying to get him back, whether that's, you know, they could have been back in early June and that would have been maybe on pace and they're going to stretch it out a little bit longer. But I do think the London series is circled on that calendar. I'm looking at the calendar now. So we are two weeks plus two days before the London series. Yeah. They're probably, they, they have that Thursday, Friday off. So they're probably going to fly out on the 27th. The problem is that he can't rehab on the 27th and 28th and then be back for the 29th. This isn't Scranton to New York. You know what I mean? He's got to be done rehabbing by the 26th. That's exactly two weeks from today as we're talking. He's supposed to be playing games in Raleigh this weekend. Okay, so so he's good. How many how many games? I mean, how many games is he going to need? As many as it takes up until the twenty sixth. <laughs> I think if he he'll, plays he'll games this weekend, games he can. Yeah. If he plays games this weekend, then there's a chance. But if he doesn't start playing games this weekend, I, I think it's a I think rush. Yeah, I mean, I just I I think I really believe that they're not going to come out and say this. But the impact of this game going over to London and the fact that it's going to be on an international stage with the Red Sox and the Yankees, they want to show their superstars, both teams, badly. I don't think they're going to come out and say anything about this because it would be, it would just open up too many doors for, for everybody well, else yeah, to you're, criticize. You, you're potentially jeopardizing the future of your season yeah. in a World Series season to market a couple games in June. But again, I'm not I'm not saying that they're rushing them back either because it's taken a damn long time for Stanton to come back. It's taken a significant amount of time for Judge to come back. Uh, what I'm saying is that they might have even just like slowed that process down and now we're just all of a sudden ramping up more quickly towards the series. Like Stanton, you feel Stanton, great about- Stanton especially. Stanton, I, I, I'm with you on Stanton, but do you feel good about Judge's first game back being Saturday in London? I think if, if Judge is back, then he's ready to be back. So I'm fine with that. What if they bring him back just for defense like they did last that year? That would be some bullshit. <laughs> just for, for morale. Just, like, just, just so all the 99 jerseys over in London can, can take pictures. And now, if they happy. do that, that's a, that's a Ponzi scheme right there. Like there's, some, there's some bad things happening right there. That is pure, pure. Um, because at least last year they could hide it under the guise of a 40-man of, of a expanded roster. Right in September, yeah. So you weren't taking away a player, really. But that was but also just for a home be... series, just like a regular home series. This is this is no, I know a spectacle. I agree, it's a spectacle, and I and believe me, I'm sure there's somebody in the MLB offices bugging Yankees, being like, "Hey, is Judge going to be there? Is Stanton going to be there? They want those guys there. Oh, they want, they want right asses in seats. They want they want eyeballs on TV. But see, the thing is, people are going to watch regardless. Is is let me ask you this? Is if Judge a, hits a home run in London, that's a hum. That's that, that's if Judge hits a home run in London or Urshela hits a home run in London, 
<laughs> okay. Well, yeah. But do, Judge is, is a, run in London gets coverage in Japan. Is a is a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals going to watch that game? No, they're not trying because to get the judge is playing. You're missing it. They're not trying to get anybody in 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 uh, America in the U.S. They're not trying to get anybody in this All market it's, overseas. It's, it's they're they're walking into a brand new market, the European. Yeah, market. they want to put their best foot forward. Yeah. Is it is it an Aaron Judge who's Timing is terrible because all he's they don't been know doing that. is facing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they know if he, the difference between a home run and a pop out. You know what they do know? He's a giant human being walking in with other big human beings, professional athletes, and he looks triple the size of them. That's what they know. And they have two guys that are exactly like that. That's what they see. Yeah, they're, they're used to soccer players. Those guys are scrum. Yeah, and they and they faked injuries. They they fall when there's no hit, when there's no contact. Oh, you, say, you saying that Stanton is faking his injury? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying soccer players fake their injuries. So, yes, I think it's a humongous deal. No pun intended. I think the fact that those two guys uh, coming back for that series is a massive deal uh, on the business side and the marketing side and the fact that they're coming into a brand new market. And it's not just England and London. A lot of eyeballs from that, that part of the world are going to be watching. If, if judges rush back in any form and then has to go back on the IL. That, that is a worst-case scenario for the Yankees. Yes, but we will still watch the team. <laughs> we will watch the team through literally anything. Right, that's the thing. Learned. That's the thing. He will get new eyeballs. Uh, Yankees are money. not going for... They already have us. They have us by the balls, okay? They're going for other people. We are going to watch regardless. We watched through the 2016 dog shit of a first-half season. We still watched. That's my point. My point is that we're not going anywhere. Yankee fans who are already Yankee fans are not going anywhere. No matter what happens to Judge, nobody's going anywhere. The fa- oh, I mean, I'm not saying anyone's going to go go anywhere, but that's a that's a bad. Oh, it's look. a bad look. If you rush your star player yeah. back, and then he ends up having to go back on the injured list because you rushed him back. I don't think Judge would go along with that either. I think if Judge feels good and healthy, then he's going to go. And I think they're they're not that stupid where they're going to rush him back to the point where he's still hurt. And he's not ready for uh, for for baseball. I just I don't think that's a real thing. We we were talking about Herman before. I was so rudely <laughs> interrupted with a Kendris Morales point. I t- I do you dis- do you agree that the, his injury had anything to do with how much they're bidding for Dallas Keuchel? No. I th- I think it's a convenient time and a convenient excuse if the team wants to use that. That if Domingo Herman had told them back in the end of May, my hip hurts, they would have spent an extra million to two million dollars on Dallas Keuchel. Like if that is really the case, if that is the reason they didn't up their offer to Dallas Keuchel, shame on them. Well, it, I mean, it has nothing to do with the fact that there's an injury because because of Herman. I mean, it, it's it's all whether he's injured or not, they're going to have to control his innings. So right. So you need no a- one's talking. That was not discussed. Right. Yeah, I mean, but it's a, talked about. But that's the real thing. Like it, 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 the people who are who know this situation understand that whether he's injured or not, those innings are going to have to be limited at some point. So adding another pitcher is a positive for especially a guy like Keuchel who can get depth and and you know throw six plus innings on a on a on a consistent basis. That's a guy that that we know that can go out and and uh, and get the ball and go deep into a game. So unless. Unless what Randy Miller was saying here, and I'm not going to give him this credit because I don't think that's what, what he was really saying, is that had Herman already been on the injured list when Dallas Keiko was still a free agent, that would have been able to convince Hal Steinbrenner or whoever's making the final budgetary decision to extend themselves for Keiko. 
But again, that's short-sighted because there's the limit. The innings were still going to have to be limited no matter what. Even if he's I know that, but that's, that's different. That's more of a, oh, we have a plan in place. We're going to limit his innings. Maybe that'll, that'll be impacted once Severino is back. That's not a, we have a That's assuming Severino is right back. Now. There's just I too many assuming a lot of things. There's too many assumptions. There's a lot there, of assumptions yeah. in this rotation right now. Yeah. Seriously. And that's Big why, and that's marks. why, okay, that's exactly why they needed to go out and extend themselves for, yes. for Dallas Keuchel. And, but, but yes. everything that Cashman was saying, so we have some, some stuff on this, like, because some of his reasons were kind of a eh, little flimsy on that. But, but the one thing that he did say that was definitive was that there was no other opportunity. He said that they didn't give them an opportunity to come back and, and, and uh, up their offer. It was what it was. And then they found out later, once he agreed to the $13 million, that it was you know a, a, a slight difference, and that's how they lost out. So they were, they were. I mean, shame, shame on, shame on Keuchel and, and his team. But for that's not the thing. Going like, back this, this and trying to we get more money about. from another team. That I mean, that's you're not trying to get that's more a money. Terrible bargaining, right? But but that's what I'm. That's the other part of this is that we were talking about last last show is that you know there's there's got to be something else. The the fact that Keuchel said if it was close that he's going to go to Atlanta or what, like it didn't matter. Like if they were going unless they were going to blow it out of the water, which they they weren't going to. You know, if they're going to they're going to beat it by a million or two bucks, maybe Keuchel at that point wasn't interested. Maybe, and it might have been a moot point, like you said, if there's something else. But the comments we were talking about before the show were what Brian Cashman was talking about on WFAN. And um, you had the quote or you, you heard the interview. So what did he say? So essentially, he was talking to Francesa and saying that one of the determining factors was that they didn't want to go over the luxury tax threshold because obviously the penalty gets larger and... The the other reason is because once they go over the second, the second tax threshold, uh, technically te- the third one. Te- once they go over the third, technically yes. So, yeah. but once they go over um, the forty million, so here, that's what it is. Two oh six. Once they go forty million over, they then they have another um, uh, another penalty in the fact that they're higher percentage. They're um, well the percentage, and then the draft picks you slot back ten spots. That is big. But so just to explain this, to map it out, maybe you guys already know this, but Scott, I spent 15 minutes working through this beforehand because there's so many numbers. The luxury tax changes every year. There's like you Google it and you're going to get 10 different ways of saying the same thing. So it gets confusing. Different outlets have reported different numbers. We've we've. We, yeah. we saw that just now. We, we found the actual one according to MLB.com. So 206 is the luxury tax number. If you're under 206, you pay 0% penalty. Right. If you're over 206, you are paying some form of penalty. Correct. If you are within the first 20 million over, so 206 to 226, maybe it's 225.999, whatever, you're paying um, that first penalty bracket. Once you go over that next 20 million buffer, then your penalty goes up and you're paying that increased penalty all the way up until 246. Once you're over 246, then you're at the high roller table. You are paying the most money, the most tax. You're living in the highest, the, the, the most uh, esteemed estates out there paying the most money. And so, you're getting, and you're getting slotted back 10 spots in the rule four, which is the, the first year draft. So Cashman talking about, we didn't want to go over the 246. Yeah, they don't want to go over the 246. But signing Dallas Keuchel to, they could have signed him to like $23 million and still been under that that uh, next, that top level bracket. 
So yeah, he's not lying, but he's kind of fudging. You know what I mean? He's, he's, kind he's giving of, the convenient answer and the fact that, yes, it's going over another tr- tax threshold, but it's not the, the next one that they have to be concerned about. And, and the one that he's speaking of is so far outside what they would have offered Dallas Keuchel for a one-year contract that it's almost a moot point. It doesn't mean anything when we're talking about this in a vacuum. When we're talking about just this and just that number, it means nothing. Right. Right. Only and to the point that maybe it, it, he it, it limits your flexibility at that point and you're trying to not avoid that one. But that's not where they are. They're they're not. They would still have they would still have room to add an additional player under the. Um, but it's it's limiting your flexibility is my point. If you were okay, to yeah, reduces that. it slightly, but you're also gaining a lot of value. Yes, and um, <clears throat> if they add anybody, pretty much without offloading salary, they're going to be over the next threshold of two twenty six. They were gonna, right they were going to be over it if they if Gio Gonzalez was signed. That was one yep. of the big reasons we if were talking opt, about if they. Signed him to the money. If they called him up to the majors, they would have been over. Boom, $3 million. Over. So you want to go over for Gio Gonzalez or Dallas Keuchel? Yeah, but that's exactly what Cashman wasn't saying. That's the thing. That's what's so weird about this is that he was not talking about the threshold that they were about to cross, the one that they're up against. He's talking about the one that, that, that wouldn't even come into play. But, but he's not, but he's not over. saying that. He's just saying tax threshold. Right. Well, because the, the average fan listening to Mike Francesa doesn't know these details. Right. Also, does a fan really want to hear the team doesn't want to spend more money? No, nobody Yankee wants fans to hear don't that. want to hear that. No, that's it. So, so even if even if they were going to go over the second tax threshold, nine out of ten Yankee fans are saying that's a bullshit excuse. Yeah, there's. I mean the the draft the draft just happened. Um, everybody knows that the Yankees value those draft picks. So talking about losing that tenth, uh, those ten spots, you know. That's a big deal. That makes a fan feel better. Oh, okay. It's not just money. It's the 10 draft picks as well. That's why he talked about that that next threshold, the 246, which they're not up against. So he talked to get about that one because there's also an associated penalty that actually means something to the fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Because we all are losing a potential player. We all have an association with, with if the higher draft pick you have, the better player you get. That's not always true, but you have an opportunity to pick the better player. I mean, if, if you can identify if that player. it's untrue in one sport, it's untrue in baseball. But it's not always true in the sense that you have the opportunity to pick that better player if you choose if you're evaluating yeah. correctly. So so at that point you're you're now you're giving people another reason to say, "Oh, okay. That's that's why. That's why we didn't go after and 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 sign uh Dallas Keuchel for the the extra money, even though he could have been a very big difference maker on this team this year. Very big." Yeah. Uh, again, I know I said it on the last episode. We both did. I don't like the money. I don't like the uh, the salary, uh, luxury tax, money conversation in this context because I think that seeing what the team needs on the field right now is well worth the whatever penalty you're going to have to pay. It's, I mean, it's a potential championship. We're talking about we're talking about this team not being that far off. From um, and and if healthy, they are they're right there. But the fact is, is they're not healthy. They don't know what they're going to get from Severino. When you have a guy that's 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 won championships, that's had postseason success, that you've seen firsthand has destroyed you and dominated you at times in the playoffs, and you have an opportunity to get that guy for money, nothing else, money that's not really going to affect what you do for the rest of the season because you're most likely going over that next threshold no matter what. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. And, pe- 
I saw some people, I think I got into a conversation with this either on the Facebook group or Twitter, where they said, do you really trust Dallas Keuchel starting Game 7 of the ALCS or Game 7 of the World Series? That is, that is a point to bring up. But Dallas Keuchel will help you get there this season, especially with the way your rotation is now. You want to win the American League East. Dallas Keuchel will most definitely help you win the American League East. Okay, do you... Do you Okay, so that same question. I'm gonna, let, me, let me ask you a question. Who would you rather have? Because let's put ourselves in that scenario. Right now, it's Game 7, World Series. Who do you want pitching? Dallas Keuchel or Marcus Stroman? I don't know. I want to see how Dallas Keuchel pitches. No, the rest I don't of the want. Year. I want you to answer that question right now. Who do you want? Who would you feel more comfortable with, Marcus Stroman or Dallas Keuchel? I know my answer. I'd feel more comfortable with Keuchel. Yes, of course you would. And everybody listening should feel more comfortable with Keuchel because Stroman, one, we've never seen him really do uh, one year. We've we've seen from him, but we haven't really seen him do much in high leverage situations. Two, he's been bad lately. I know he's cleaned it up this year and looked better, but Keuchel's a known quantity. We know what he's, he's going to gut it out. He's going to... Even if they're the exact same, even if they're both going to give you six innings, two runs in that game seven, you're going to have to give up Clint Frazier to get Marcus Stroman. Or you're going to have to give up uh, Esteban Florial to get Marcus That's Stroman. my point. So anybody saying that, oh, do you want Dallas Keuchel to pitch game seven of the World Series? Yes, I'd be fine with that. And Because <laughs> you're in game seven of the and, World well, Series. Well, I mean, whatever. High leverage situation. The, the, answer, the, the situation is high leverage, whatever the hell that is. And the other the other thing about that is okay if he's throwing that game, that means we're in trouble. That means that means the fact that 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 he's the is he the guy that was set up for that or is he the guy that just fell into that spot? Because if he fell into that spot, perfect. Because otherwise we're looking at someone else that fell into that spot, probably way not the same as Dallas Keuchel. No, the game seven starter is usually the game three starter. Okay, so then why is why would the guy that we acquire be that guy anyway? It doesn't make sense. You no, know, it's, it's, it's a classic fan argument. Right. It's a classic fan question argument. But, but I just think it's, you're underselling the value that he can bring to you for the next three months to win the division. I'm not underselling they, it. I agree. No, not you. Uh, people are underselling the value he's, he would give you to winning the division, which is important. It's important to not have to do that do-or-die wildcard game again. It's, ex- it's important to have home field advantage in the ALDS instead of on the road in the ALDS. Like, that's what we're playing for. We need to take the East. The reason those shirts were made, because they, the, the, the number one priority right now and forever until, we don't, until it's done is take the East. You have to take the East. You have to secure that, that positioning in the playoffs. You cannot go back to that one game wild card, not only because it's a, it's a crapshoot, but it's taxing. It's taxing leading up to it. It's taxing during it. It's taxing after it. It does a lot to your team. I also think the, a potential one-game wild card with the way the American League is shaking out this year is so much different than facing the Minnesota Twins in 2017 with Irvin Santana starting or last year facing the Oakland Athletics who are bullpenning. You could potentially be facing Blake Snell in the Tampa Rays in the wild card game. You could potentially be facing Chris Sale in the Boston Red Sox in the wild card game. You really want to do that? Yeah, no, no. It's, it's a, that's why it's so very important to, uh, to secure this. And that's... Again, man, I, like at the end of the day, what I believe truly in my heart is that there was there was ulterior motives for Dallas Keuchel and that that 
you know, a couple million bucks. That would help a lot of people well, like sleep at night. I think. And I think the reason I, I fall to that is because I do trust Cashman in the sense that I think that he identifies and understands the value of a guy like Dallas Keuchel and the, in the experience that he brings, the, the, um, the fact that he is a gamer. That's, these are all things that, that you want. The fact that he got snubbed by the Houston Astros and they're the number one team in the American league. You're, you're probably your, uh, the most competitive team, the favorite to go to the World Series, and that guy is going to go up against his former team who snubbed him. I mean, I love the motivations there. Some may not say that that brings on extra extra um, value for a player in a given game. I'd say bullshit. <laughs> I think motivation with a, a competitive guy uh, who has talent means a lot. So, I mean, is gamer is gamer a new saber metric that I'm un- unaware of? Yeah, it's uh, it's G- that, GMR. Yep, yep. Is that a new Fangraphs metric? Yeah, it, ha- it, it actually, what it does is is you you wear an oxygen saturation monitor, and it monitors your heart rate, and also monitors the amount of oxygen that's going into your blood. Does it measure pe- uh, perspiration? No, why would it do that? That would be dumb. Who, who oh, do you think? People, who do you think some, you are? Some people get uh, nervous when when they sw- uh, sweat when they get nervous. Yeah, but some some people don't sweat. Some people just they just get uh, they get irritable or they get fidgety. Or, and in some in some cases, like Sabathia is a better pitcher when he's dripping wet. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that really has much to do with it. I think the feel. I think the fact that you can lower yourself and, and just stay centered in that moment is is big. And yeah, uh, so yeah, gamer. It's a new saber. Gamer. Metric. I like it. Is is it? I, I I think I might like it better than pitch framing, which is something that we also had a conversation about today and before this episode. Is Gary Sanchez pitch framing? Last episode, we praised Gary Sanchez for improving his defense. He has cut his blocked balls, his pass balls in half. His rate has been cut in half. It's been, it's been great. It's what fans wanted because optically what looks bad is Gary Sanchez jogging back to the backstop to get another pass ball. And we haven't seen it as much this year. Now, the, uh, the ringer put out an article this week talking about Gary Sanchez's value overall as a player. How this year he's improved his blocking rate actually to league average. He's gotten up to league average, which is all we wanted. And he's mashing the ball. He's hitting home runs. He's on pace to break um, catcher home run uh, single season records. At that pace, he's ahead of when he was his rookie year. His offensive value is off the charts. We, We know that. However, his defense, his defensive value, advanced defensive metrics, his value, whether you want to call it defensive war, defensive run saved, whatever it is, has actually gone down this year. And I would not in a million years have thought that was the case. Last year, he was plus six defensive runs saved. And a big reason of that is because he was plus 2.7 framing, uh, Fangraph's framing metric. This year, he's minus two defensive runs saved, minus 5.9 frame rate. Frame, framing runs. I, I think they, they measure it by, by runs. So his framing has plummeted while his blocking has increased. And along with his framing, because apparently that is a gigantic factor in your defensive value as a catcher, his overall value has gone down defensively. The article, the article, <laughs> the article states that Gary Sanchez, um, I think it said 6.7, 6.9, something like that. Six, he has cost the Yankees six plus runs because of his framing. I just, this is, this, here's what I have to say to all of this shit. 
I have a very difficult time believing any of this crap. I'm sorry. The chart right there. The I, chart. Oh, Look yeah. at the chart. I Look know, at the lines. They're all someone made a, and everything. Someone made a metric. Someone made a, um, an algorithm and, and created this bullshit and said that this is what it is. They said that this is what it is. Look, I got a line with sabermetrics. I think a lot of them are extremely valuable. The framing, the framing um, stat, while I think you can take some away from it, there's so much that goes into it that's arbitrary in the sense that you have a, another human being involved with this directly. And the fact that you're dealing with umpires and their, and their ability to call strikes or not call strikes. If this was a robotic strike zone, this stat would actually mean something, I think. But the fact that's that a good point. you're telling me that Gary Sanchez has been amongst the best in baseball and receiving the Actually, ball. Actually, I disagree. If, this, if, if there was a robotic strike zone, uh, there would be no such thing as framing because the ball is where it is. Good. The whole idea, Good. The whole idea of framing is stealing or losing strikes. Oh, yeah. What if you can, what if you can, uh, it's what if essentially you can steal a strike well, from a robot? Then how good are you? <laughs> ah, yeah. Watch out. We're getting into some Westworld shit, but framing is essentially how much you can fold the umpire. Right. Right. It's a deception stat. Yes. It is a deception stat, but I think it's important and it can, it can be important. And Gary Sanchez was better than league average at framing balls uh, prior to this year. And this year he has been bad. And uh, depending on different articles out there, they are crediting, crediting that to the fact that Gary Sanchez is concentrating more on blocking the balls because that was the big criticism against him. And he's concentrating less on framing the ball. And when you are concentrating less on framing the ball, more on moving around to make sure you're blocking, your framing is going to go down. There's going to be more movement behind the plate. The more movement behind the plate, the less amount of strikes you are likely to get called. Because the umpires are not able to see what a strike is well, and what not because, there's, because they have movement and they can't tell because they're inept. Is that, that's essentially <laughs> what this is. So, look, this, I, I, I hate this stat. I, I really do. Like, I hate the whole pitch framing thing. I think there's levels of it that you can take away. I think there are levels that you can take away from it. I think, that, I think there is some value here. But when you're going out and telling me that he's cost the Yankees six to seven runs because of his pitch framing, and that in the, in the years past, he's been amongst the best in baseball in receiving the ball. And now all of a no, sudden... Not amongst, he was never amongst the best. He was, he was up he there was with in pitch the top framing. half of the okay, league. Okay, fine. And now he's dog shit. I have a hard time believing that. I'm sorry. I have a hard time believing that. I, I do. I have a hard time believing the fact that he's suffered so much at receiving the ball that now, because he's blocking the ball... He's, he's that much worse. What I see with my eyeballs is this. I see a pitching staff that's in shambles, but is holding it together very well. I see a guy that's, that, that is handling his pitchers and his entire pitching staff exceptionally well. I don't hear anything about Austin Romine anymore at all. The pit, we don't really hear anything about the pitchers, anybody giving Romine credit for the pitchers. Everything is talking about Sanchez. The pitchers have, have um, uh, we've, we've had a ton of injuries, but we've had a lot of success with these guys. This team has been in shambles and has been in first place now for a week or so. I know we're going back and forth right now, but they have exceeded that. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that their guys are hitting, but it also has to do with the fact that they're actually pitching through some of these these woes. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that Gary Sanchez is taking control of this, hitting the ball like a freaking monster, blocking it better, taking more ownership of his defense, and bullshit stats like this, trying to spin the narrative, (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not standing for it. I can't, st- I, I, I am appreciative of a guy that saw a flaw in his game and fixed it. I'm not going out there and looking for some other bullshit that nerds came up with to, to, to make him sound bad. 
It's bullshit. I think you got to take it all with a grain of salt, just like every other defensive advanced metric out there. I, we were doing it the research before the show. We were Googling and different definitions of it. And even the definitions of framing say it's an imperfect science. Right. So I think there's a lot of gray area. It's, 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 there's a um, ton of gray area. It's, Again, you're adding halfway, two human beings to this. Two. Defensive three, metrics three. more Someone's than... Someone's got to throw the ball. Someone's got to catch the ball. Someone's got to call the ball what it is. A strike or a ball. Three people. Defense, defensive metrics, um, unlike offensive metrics, take a long time to normalize. It takes a lot of data. Even a full season for certain defensive metrics. I know UZR, even over a full season, is not the most accurate defensive metric to go by. You want to look at a guy's five-year window of UZR? Now you're talking. Now you have enough data to make sure that it is accurate. Offensive metrics... You get enough sample a lot quicker. They're a lot more accurate in that sense. So I think with something like framing rate, framing run saved, you got to use a little bit more of the eye test and you got to see what Sanchez has done on the field and put more weight into that than maybe something like this uh, framing stat. It's a it's a beautiful narrative for a Bill Simmons run website. What a, narrative? What narrative huge, are we trying to say? Tra- they're trying to who, who's the, they're trying to say that Gary Sanchez's value as a player is not what we all think it is because they're trying to shit on his defense at a time when we're all saying his defense is better. That's the narrative. It's it's a it's a, anybody can spin this in any way they want. At well, any you know the, the same website ran articles last year or. Uh, I'm, making, I think I'm, it was, I'm joking about the whole Bill, Bill Simmons thing. It's just convenient that he's a huge Boston homer. Uh, I don't really, I don't really give a shit about Bill Simmons, but the, they talked about Gary Sanchez at the beginning of last year before he started to have a terrible season. Talking about uh, basically, the article was saying you shouldn't care that he can't block balls because he's still a valuable player. Right. I mean, we knew that. We did know that. It doesn't mean it's not frustrating when he doesn't block a ball. I mean, get that. We understand. It will, except for last year's offense wasn't there either. You throw it away. I, I, I think it's I think it's interesting. And I think it's interesting timing because we literally just talked about his improved blocking and how it has shut fans up, and rightfully so. You don't think he has been worse this year, and I don't even he hasn't been worse this year. I don't think. Um, I'd be curious to, to see how the Yankees apparently, feel because I know apparently he has been worse. That's, that's what they're trying to say. Well, I know that the Yankees. Uh, front office, the analytic nerds, loved Sanchez's framing ability. That was one of the things that pretty much made them stick with him through through some certain things as a catcher because he's got an arm and he can frame the ball. So the third thing is pass balls. And surprisingly, actually, pass balls is the least important of the three. Right. It's the one that looks the worst. But it might be the least important of the three as far as how a team would rank them. Framing is number one. I think how teams would rank I, it. And, Framing, and I still, I, then, I don't think then, arm, then arm, pop time, arm strength. Right. Pop time, he's still up there. He's still up amongst yeah. the best in, in the, the moving and, transa- and transitions but from if you spots. Look at this, so if you look at this chart that we're looking at, it, his overall defense has gone down. Because of framing. And the thing, because of framing. So framing, really, where framing goes, your defensive value goes as a catcher. And it's the most flimsy of all of the stats. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's the least perfect. It's the least it's so the most it's, imperfect. It's the one that sucks the most. 
I'll go negative on the stats all day. I think we're in agreement on this stat. It's just it took took us a little time to get there. Well, no, it's it's one of those ones that you have to talk out because it's not. I mean, look, as much as we 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 do mix in the saber metrics in the show and and talk about it, it's it's all over baseball. It's 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 important because it's used. It's how some of these guys have been discovered from the the um, Urshelas of the world to the Voits of the world. So. I'm not. I'm not by any means dismissing any of this stuff. It's this in particular number to me has a lot of work. The way that they evaluate this, <laughs> the way that they evaluate this to me has uh, some some perfecting to do. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like the way that they do it. I think a good rule of thumb for a, an advanced metric to look at is that if you, if a website needs more than like a 200 word paragraph to explain it, yeah, it's too much. Too much. Um, so we mentioned Judge and Stanton, their injury updates. Batances had some bad news. Low-grade lat strain, and he's going to be shut down for a couple weeks. This this delays Batances even more. Um, Boone was still optimistic that he will uh, be back at some point this year, but sucks for for Dellen. Yeah, it's no good. I mean, it's just the, it's, it's kind of amongst the same stuff with him. He's just running into bad luck over time. And, uh, you know, we're, this is one of those things where – we're hoping he can shut it down and then come back up and then not feel something. That's like that's the that's, isn't this that's the it. same progression of injury that Severino went through, where at yeah. first it was his shoulder and then he had a lat, or maybe it was vice versa. Yeah, I mean they missed they kind of misdiagnosed it in the sense that, I mean we read a whole bunch of things about this, right? The the fact that if something's inflamed, you can't see sometimes on an MRI or an X-ray or whatever they're looking at. Uh, different things can be seen at different times once swelling goes down or you know depending on where they're looking. So I, I think it's it's not uncommon for for these these things to be connected, but it also you know comes back to the fact I think the difference with Severino was that he hadn't done anything, there was nothing done at all, and then all of a sudden like something right, else he didn't is throw a ball yeah he didn't throw a and ball all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden injured, he has but, a lat strain but Patances is testing it and and now feels something else so um, that's why this one to me is a little bit more of a concern because he's now trying to ramp up and then something else is popping up. So again, hopefully he just shuts it down, able to rest everything. And then when he's able to retest it again, doesn't feel any discomfort and can go through progressions of getting back up. Right. Do you want Luke Voigt in the home run derby? Yes, I do. <laughs> I want it. Good. We're on the same page. A lot of fans do not want Luke Voigt in the home run derby. I get it. It could be judge hurt himself. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a, a, a very real, um, situation where a player participates in the home run derby and then drops off that that immediate second half. We've seen it with a number of guys, not just Judge because of the injury. I think of Bobby Abreu, right? Bobby Abreu goes out there, surprises everyone, wins the home run derby. I think he hits like two home runs in the second half. He was also at a different point in his career. What I'm saying is, though, I am accepting this risk with Luke Voigt because I think it would be a lot of fun to watch that dude mash in the home run derby. Well, the other thing is, is that as a fan, you can get you can get like so positioned in a in uh, an opinion about something that you get mad about it, or you just kind of accept the fact that it's probably going to happen and be like, okay, the the here's here's the difference, the the number one factor and why nobody should be mad or you have any ill will towards Luke Voigt for being in this. There's a million dollars on the line. Compared to whereas before there's, you know, whatever the, the, the prize is, not compared to a million bucks. This is cold hard cash on guys who are not making as much money, who are in arbitration, who can't or are capped with the amount of money that they can make and now have an opportunity to earn. 
I think the million dollar prize is not the real value in it for the player. When Aaron Judge did the home run derby in 2017, he went. He was one of the best players in baseball in the first half. He went he was into almost that a triple All- crown guy by that time. He went into the All Star break, maybe being a top 20 recognizable player in Major League Baseball, and he came out of that All Star break being a top three recognizable player in Major League Baseball. So I think it goes a lot for your brand, your personal brand. If you can do well in the home run derby and get other fans to notice you, I think that does a lot. I know Pete Alonso also wants to do the home run derby for the Mets. And I think the same for Pete Alonso, just like Luke Voigt. It's a good opportunity to build your personal brand and make more money if that's what you want to do. If all you other guys don't want to do it, all you want to do is go out there and be as healthy as you possibly can be and not take three-hour-long batting practice while you're swinging out of your shoes at a golf ball. I get it. Luke Voigt wants to do it. He already has, has his pitcher picked out, apparently. See, that's the thing. When you're, when you're going in and, and you're a, a new guy and you have an opportunity, your career path was never, ever remotely close to a point where you could even be considered or even think about being in the home run major league all-star derby and now you have an opportunity and to be in front of that and something that you've watched your whole life i heard alonzo talking about it it's one of those things that he he was talking about his uh his parents letting him stay up to watch the derby it was like just like when i was a kid we used to watch the derby like that was a big deal the derby's still a big deal and so i think that in baseball when you're talking about all-star festivities the home run derby and the dunk contest are the two that stand up there and, and are stand stand alone um, with the, the skills competitions as far as the, the different sports. So yeah, it's a big deal to be in those things. And I think once a guy is in it, then like it, it, it loses its luster, obviously, because then... Oh yeah, I never want to see Aaron Judge No, I don't want to see Aaron Judge, Judge do it again. We, we've, we've been there. Yeah. But the fact now that Luke Voigt can come in and and potentially go this, he's a Yankee, he, he's a big dude, has has roots in St. Louis, he could go out and he's got you know fans across. Um I think his story is interesting, so I think that he could definitely win some some fans that are not Yankees fans as well that would that would int- be interested in hearing what the uh, the Luke Voigt story is. But you know, he, he would have to perform well in this derby. I think that the fact that you're just in the derby doesn't necessarily say that your brand's going to no, be better. No, of course you'd not. Have but to, if you'd you can have to win, perform, if, if you can win the home run derby, if you can pull a Josh Hamilton and steal the show, Hamilton didn't even win it, but he won that home run derby. I mean, if you if you had, I forgot that he didn't win it. I just you know who won it. I remember majestic home runs in Yankee Stadium is what I remember. Do you remember who won that year? No, I don't. Justin Morneau. Uh, yeah, see, that's bullshit. <laughs> Justin Morneau stealing home run derbies and batting titles away from people. What? You guys, just a thief. no one remembers that. Everyone remembers. Everyone remembers Josh Hamilton almost hitting it to the subway tracks. Yeah, because it was flawed the way that they did it that year. Because they, he hit a, a stupid amount of home runs and where they didn't. Count them all, right? Right. It was like all in the first round, right. and they don't roll over. Right. So, yeah, I, I think it could be fun. Uh, Voigt's leading the first baseman for all-star vote in the AL quickly. His AL ranks, he ranks fourth in war, third in WRC+, plus, second in home runs, third in RBIs among AL first basemen. You know, this is one of those things where in the past we've seen Yankees not get the votes because for whatever reason, I don't know how this is even possible, but... Yankees fans a lot of times don't vote their guys into the All Star. They don't rally as much as some of these smaller market. Do you remember teams a few years ago like when feel Kansas City? Inferi- inferi- yeah, the inferiority complex of these smaller market teams. They need to compensate by mm-hmm. voting for their All Stars. Yeah, Kansas City was leading at like five. Positions. It was almost. It was almost in all Kansas City um, 
infield at one point. But no, I mean, I think this is important. I think everybody should go out and vote uh, and, and do it, you know, however much you want. But go out and vote consistently because these guys, getting them in is important. You know it's how it goes deal. this year. Yeah, talk, it, about, the, uh, talk you, about the format because I know it's different. So the top three vote-getters at, e- at each position move on to, like, another voting round. Right. And then you vote for the starter there. But I don't know the details. Do all – if you move on to the next round, do you automatically get on the team? That, no, that's too many players. Yeah, you have too many players. Maybe the top point. two Maybe the top two get on. I don't know. It's, it's a different formatting. Um, we'll look at all the specifics for the next time. But the, I the, mean, do really, like, we, we did specifics about pitch framing. We did specifics about luxury <laughs> tax. All-Star was third on the, uh, third on the agenda. Here, here's the homework. Go out and just vote for somebody on the Yankees. That's it. No <laughs> matter how it works, just vote for them. Who cares? Vote as many times as you can. If you DJ, see a guy that's DJ up, LeMahieu deserves to be an All-Star. There's a lot year. of people that deserve to be on this team. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of people. Cameron Maybe No, not, yeah. maybe not Cameron Maven. I mean. Uh, Yankees going to the White Sox for a four-game set. So Nova is pitching on Thursday. He's got a 628 ERA. But if you remember his start against the Yankees, the first time out he threw six innings, one run ball, because that's classic ex-Yankee type shit against the Yankees. Was that our event? Was that our first event? I think I thought yes, Nova was yes, pitching, was. right? Yeah. Yes, it was. Against Sabathia. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, they won that game. Giolito is pitching on Friday. Uh, he's finally living up to his prospect status yeah. because he struggled his first two starts of the year. His last nine starts, listen to these stats, 59 innings, only 32 hits allowed, so like half a hit an inning, 71 strikeouts, more than a strikeout an inning, 122 ERA, 158 batting average allowed. Dude is dealing right now. Lucas Giolito got his swag back because he was the number one prospect in baseball um, for a while, and then he was traded from the Nationals for Adam Eaton, who's a good player, but I think when everybody saw the trade, they're like, what? Because Lucas Giolito gave up on him, essentially. But if you remember, Lucas Giolito was part of lots of trade talks with the Yankees, too, that they were never going to budge. They never were ever throwing in Lucas Giolito in any of the trade talks. Um, was that when it was like oh, the Nationals are looking for a closer? They might trade for Chapman or Miller. Yes, I believe it was the same year that they dealt to, and I'm glad it didn't happen because we got Glaber Torres. But um, but yeah, they were Lucas Giolito was always the guy that they were trying to get after, and and he was uh, never included. But the fact that he's come back, I mean, because he's been bad since that trade. Honestly, he's not been even before. Oh, right this before, is the first time before he's, the trade, first time he's been really yeah before good. the trade. Like that year, he started falling off. Now all of a sudden, he's um. Figured it out, got it back, and, and yeah, he's dealing. So he's a real threat. Yankees are going with Hap in the first game, Sabathia, uh, and then TBD, probably Chad Green opener if I had to guess, and then Tanaka on Sunday. Um, after the White Sox series, Yankees come home for 10 games, three against uh, the Rays, four against Houston, three against Toronto, a couple of off days, and then they head to London. Like that London series is right around the corner. Yeah, and so is a very important homestand. When you're talking about Tampa, that, Houston. When you're talking about that ten game homestand, uh, you're 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 talking about the the um, the team that you've been playing leapfrog with, you know, for the past week or two with Tampa and then Houston, you know, arguably the best team in the American League, and then Toronto, a team that we just lost two or three to. So there's a, there's there's a lot of tough baseball coming up, and I think that's the other thing we're looking at these guys coming back healthy. If they can get back and 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 prove to be healthy and and you know ready to come back. The Yankees are really starting to need it. We we had talked about this for a long time. Can this team? I know that they overachieve for as long as, but they can they hold on? Can they hold on for as long as they need to, to until the other guys can come back? 
and seemingly they're it, it's like we're teetering man we're like we're like teetering on the edge of 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 them falling off the pitching staff just dying and the fact that the uh, the guys are on the brink of coming back, so it's getting close. Well, you're you're potentially getting guys back in that homestand. Maybe Stanton's back for that homestand. Yep. Um, but you're still going to be going through that important homestand with a piece like piece together rotation, right? But at least you get some pieces back. But yes, the 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 rotation not anytime soon is getting uh, get getting much more clear as far as what we're going to be what we're going to have. So. Um, yeah, you know, you just look. I think the the fact that you get your guys back offensively as well is a big deal, and it can help the uh, the team move forward and, and over that hump, especially with big games. All right, final topic topics. Um, couple things to talk about. So, after we recorded Sunday night, there was news that David Ortiz was shot, and uh, I I have not commented. I didn't comment. I feel weird. I don't know about you. Did you feel weird about like tweeting about it? I mean, I never tweet about stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I, just don't I always do try and I, I don't tweet about stuff like that because I know somebody out there will misconstrue, misconstrue what I'm trying to say. And someone won't be happy with what I said, unless you just say thoughts and prayers to David Ortiz, which I don't think I need to be the one saying well, on Twitter because it's like, of course, no one wants David Ortiz to die. Okay. I hated David Ortiz because he murdered the Yankees on the field in baseball, I do not want David Ortiz to die, and I don't think that needs to be stated. I think that's just understood as a human. Right. So I always try and stay away from some from topics like these. Well, I mean, I just there's nothing to say about this. I mean, it's, it's a tragedy. It's it's a horrible situation in the sense that someone got got shot, and and it's being covered, and there's a video of it, and like all of these things surrounding what happened. It's just it's just such a shitty situation in the sense that. Um, Nobody wants that to happen by any means, and and you, I, I could, I really, and, and you know, the older I get, the more clear you get as as what's important in life. I think too, like when I'm when I'm younger and in my like early twenties or whatever, you know, sometimes you can get clouded judgment and say something stupid, but you know, at the end of the day, nobody wants anybody to be hurt. Let's 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 just be honest with that. When when was he was he against the Yankees? Uh, did, could the Yankees have walked him? Yeah, sure. They could have not pitched to him. That would have helped could us. They, could, they, could they have hit him a couple times after <laughs> Derek Jeter gets drilled by Pedro Martinez a thousand times? But no, sure. it's it's a it's a terrible situation. The fact that the man is just you know in his home country, um, I, there's all this speculation so about the stuff around. That's it. what I what you know. Yeah, a lot of speculation with like a drug lord or, or an affair. I know I nothing know. about any of that. So so I actually think um, so. The guys on George's box, JJ and Keith talked about this for at length at the end of their episode yeah. and they brought up I thought they brought up they they had a lot of good points but one is that these guys who get out of these poor countries whether it's the Dominican Republic or I know Venezuela is very very dangerous for a lot of players like there's stories didn't um yeah. Miguel Cabrera's family get held hostage for ransom essentially it's been it's happened a number of times. It happened to um to Ramos, the catcher, when he was with the when he was okay, with maybe the that's Nationals, what it was. and he was detained. He was kidnapped. Oh, so there was another player though whose family was kidnapped. Miguel Tejada for ransom think, money. I think it happened to Miguel Tejada at some point. Anyway, it, it's happened more more more. It's than a once. real it's a real issue, yeah. and these guys get out of. It's their, not just these baseball countries. players. It's anybody with money or uh, authority or right. But some these kind of guys are high profile. Yeah. They know they have money. Right. And then they get taken advantage of in their own country. And it's, it's a, I think it's a real issue. And I also get, though, why David Ortiz wants to go back to the Dominican Republic. 
and do as much as he can to build up the Dominican Republic. He's got hundreds of millions of dollars. He's got a platform. He's got a, a celebrity to do that. And he's, I know, I think he's tried to do that. I think he's done a lot of charity work down there. And he still gets shot. Like, he's, you, uh, I mean, bad guys Cabrera are bad guys. Whoever. Bad guys are bad guys. They don't, they don't, they don't care about what you do. But then, in no, the but world. like, I think there's they some just, people saying like, once, once you get out of the country, never go back. You like, you made it. You made it out. You're, you're in America. You're, you're rich now. Just what are you going back for? Yeah, I have a hard. They time. They want to go back because it's their home, right? Just like anybody it's, wants to go back to their home, right? Look, I, as far as as the situation, you know, I, I don't have much to say about it because I don't really, I don't know the situation. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on things. It's unfortunate. That I'm, I'm glad he's doing well. Um, you know, I, I, I have nothing but uh just the the sense that i hope he gets better and 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 is able to fully turn a corner from this it's just it just sucks i yeah i um so what i did was i don't know if you did this i you know how you can search on twitter like your your handle and then ortiz or whatever you wanted to see if you said something stupid I wanted to see what I've what I've said in the past about David Ortiz, <laughs> and it's just a bunch of why aren't the Yankees going to hit David Ortiz? And I and I tweeted out the last tweet I have about David Ortiz that it has to do with him playing because I've tweeted about him and a Rod on like the uh, yeah the Fox show right was um it was like David Ortiz last at bat in the major leagues ever, and then I did the Will Ferrell gif from uh, Wedding Crashers right. of him dancing. So yeah, like that's what I prefer to to stick to. Yeah, I don't want to see him hit against the Yankees. That's what I do not want to see. Are you excited to see Mariano pitch at Old Timers Day? I'm I'm wondering if he's going to pitch. It'll be what else is he going to be there for? He probably probably going to play center. I was going to say maybe he'll play center field. Maybe they'll just let Mariano do whatever he wants to do. Um, yeah, I think it's cool that he's coming back. I think it's it's uh it's it's very interesting uh, when you look at you see some of the guys and you're like what the. Jerry Hairston Jr. is coming back. Jason Grimsley. Like these guys that are like they come back for old timers day. Layrit's still not an invite. Well, you get a if you win a World Series with the team, you pretty much have an automatic invite to Old Timers Day. Yeah. I mean, when I I just I have a except for Jim Layritz, except for Jim Layritz, who was a freaking well, uh you know, a hero. World Series hero. Yeah. Like well, I understand that he's had he's had things that happened in his life, but does that does he have to pay for them for his entire life, or or can fans still remember what he did on the field? Because I think that's what they want. Either way, yeah. the um the uh it's it's a shame that he's not coming back because I think he, the Yankee fans really do love Jim Larritz, um uh, as a player, even as a person. I think he's uh, done a lot. He's of a good man things. of the people. He's, he's a man. Uh, of the he used people. to ride. He used to ride the subway. Yeah. To the games. Yeah. Came up um, with the. I mean, he's a he's a guy that has been with the org- was with the organization for a long time. Remember at the '96 Dynasty event that we were at? Yeah. We talked to him. We interviewed him. He was he was one of the nicest guys at super that nice. event. Super nice. Super super engaging. Very open, wanting to talk to people. Yeah, he's an awesome, dude. He really is. Um, so it's a shame that. But it is cool to see that Mariano is coming back for it. And um, and well, he's probably, you know, I'd say Mariano and and uh, I, I'm a little surprised. Well, I, Mariano, I, I'm surprised that he came back this early. I guess. Well, he's now a Hall of Famer. It's been five years. But he hasn't gotten inducted yet. I, I, th- I would have thought it would have been. Oh, that's after right. The induction, induction. ceremonies in July. Yeah. yeah. So that's that was the only reason I was surprised when I saw it. I, was, I thought that his like the next public appearance where he was going to get celebrated, uh, but maybe he just wants to get celebrated as a guy who's going into the Hall well, of Fame. Well, you know what's going to happen is he's he's going to. I think he will pitch, and I think he will throw one like ninety-one mile an hour cutter. Yeah. And everyone's going to be like. Sign him up. He can still pitch. Which I bet he could. 
Um, you know, so uh, Derek Jeter, I, I never expect to do Old Timers Day. I think you will. At you some agree point. with that? I think you will at some point. I definitely don't think you will if he's still trying to run the Marlins. No, no, he, don't, he If he has another conflict, if he's involved with another team, then he will not do it. But you just know, no, no, A Rod is waiting at the mailbox for his invitation. He wants to do Old Timers Day so bad. See, I think they would definitely bring him back. I, I think that A Rod, A Rod, yeah. Oh, of course, of course, a thousand percent. They no, I mean, he's I a mean, I'm special saying advisor. It's not an invitation thing. It's it's a it's a it's not. It doesn't make sense for you to do it right now. Is what I'm thinking. No, no, no. You got to wait a little while. Like, you know, 2025. We might see A Rod on the old timers field. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, it'll be at some point soon. Which I mean, yeah, he's going to come back. There's no, there's no reason he shouldn't. I just know he. he I know he's dying to do it, and I know Jeter doesn't want to do it. It's just the the differences between the two. Just do you think if A Rod does it the first year and and Jeter's out of the league with the Marlins that he's like, oh, A Rod said, I'll come back. And just does no, it just does it to overshadow A Rod's first year. I, I honestly think Jeter wants no part of it. I think he's. I, don't I, know. I like he would, I like, he would think, look at it as like some sort of insult that he's being referred to as an old timer. Yeah, that it's almost like a pawn Jeter's show. Jeter's weird. So I think something that Yankee fans aren't willing to admit to themselves is that Derek Jeter is weird. In what way do you think he's? So I think that he's very closed off. He likes his. He mm-hmm. like we all know that he likes his. Uh, his privacy and coming back to this, it's almost like you're running him out like a spectacle, and he doesn't like that. Right? He does. He's weird in the sense that he and Aaron has no problem being a spectacle. A Rod wants been a spectacle to be the spectacle his whole life. A Rod, A Rod's marrying Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. They're a walking spectacle. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on. Why isn't Jose Canseco coming back for Old Timers Day? Well. Are there aliens? I don't know. Are there, there's no alien sightings or, <laughs> or Bigfoot? He can't find, he, once he finds Bigfoot, there's no Bigfoot sightings come, in the Bronx. He's going to come back to Old Timers Day. We could make some good video out of that. All right. That's going to do it for us. Um, any final words out of you, Scott? Man, I just want to see them uh, to, to come back and win a series again. We need to get back into this this game of winning series again because that's, that's, where, uh, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you look back and you say, okay, these guys were winning series. They they won them in bunches, and and now all of a sudden we've piled up all these wins, and we're in a good position to take the East. Because again, that's the name of the game right now. Number one priority, the AL East by far. If if you guys want to still come to the June twenty second event against the Houston Astros as the next home stand, as we were just discussing, tickets game tickets are on sale still. You can still get game tickets through us. Be sitting in section two hundred five with couple hundred Yankee fans will be doing a pregame party. They'll get the t-shirt after, correct? I mean, they still may get it if you order today, tomorrow. Uh, it's, a, it's a possibility that you'll get it, but, but for sure, no guarantee. Um, by, so by that's the, game the next time. event on the agenda. Go hit that up. But then the, the Tampa invasion on July 6th is happening very soon after that. We've got the watch party in New York City at Tavern 29 for the Saturday London game. There's a meetup and a Facebook group about that. So if you're interested, tweet me. There's a ton of BP Crew Chapter stuff going on over the next couple weeks. Join the Facebook group. A lot of stuff going on. We will talk to you on Monday.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.